Hey guys, I hope you're doing great today and I can't wait to bring you the show. But before I do, I just wanna make a quick request. If you're listening to the show and you're getting good value and you're enjoying the content and you feel that it's valuable, if you could just take a second and go and give me a rating and review in whatever platform you listen, whether it be Apple or Google or uh, Spotify, whatever it is, just go and give me a rating and review. That would be very appreciated. All right, guys, let's dive in. The quick story is I bought a bunch of real estate, mostly multifamily. At one point, I bought a 24-unit apartment when I was 24 years old, and it allowed me to quit my job. You're listening to the Just Start Real Estate Podcast. If you're serious about your real estate investing business and need real answers, you are in the right place. And now, your host, Mike Simmons. All right. Thank you for joining me on Just Start Real Estate. I appreciate having you here. I appreciate that you took the time to join me. You're gonna be glad you did. I've got one of my favorite people of all time, one of my favorite guests of all time, someone who is just an absolute legend in our industry. And uh, to top it off, he's a really great guy and uh, someone who I call a friend. Uh, his name is Brandon Turner. You might've heard of him. He is the Bigger Pockets podcast host and uh, just an all-around smart guy, successful guy, and good guy. We had a great conversation. It's been so long since I've had him on the podcast. It's been since 2014, just way too long. I just, I don't know where time goes. Sometimes we all get busy building our business and growing a family, and he and I were doing exactly that, and uh, I'm just happy to have him back on and, and had a great conversation. It was fun to catch up. If you're not familiar with Brandon, he is a real estate investor and entrepreneur, a speaker, and a widely recognized as one of the foremost experts in real estate investing. If you don't know who he is, you truly have been living under a rock. Uh, he is the, like I said, the host of the wildly popular Bigger Pockets podcast with over 100 million downloads. He's a best-selling author of several books, and he just um, published his two newest, latest books. It's like a two-volume series on multifamily investing. Uh, absolutely uh, killer, killer books. Uh, he's also the founder and managing member of Open Door Capital, and he has been featured in numerous online and print publications like Forbes, Entrepreneur, Money Magazine, you name it. He is a very, very smart guy, very, very popular guy, and he really knows what he's talking about, and he's been around this game for a long time. And uh, we had a great conversation. Like I said, he just wrote two books, The Multifamily Millionaire, Achieve Financial Independence by Investing in Small. And the second volume is Large Multifamily Real Estate. So he wrote two books, one dedicated to more small multifamily, the other one dedicated to large. And these are great, great, great books that you should absolutely have in your possession if you care at all about investing in multifamily because they cover literally the entire game from A to Z. Uh, so we had a great conversation, guys. I don't want to talk any longer. I really just want you to dive into the show because it is going to go down, I think, is one of the best that we've done in a really long time. And uh, Brandon makes it a lot of fun and his knowledge is quite apparent. And uh, we just had a great time. So buckle up, grab a pen and paper, get ready, clear your schedule so you have time to listen to this thing from end to end because it's a good one. All right, guys, I give you Mr. Brandon Turner. All right, Brandon, man, thank you for coming back on the show. It's been a long time, but it's always a pleasure to have you on. 
Dude, it's been like what five or six years now. It's uh, I, I wake up fourteen. Yeah, crazy. I wake up every morning, go going. I wonder I'm going to get back. When can I get back? When can I get? And today, I finally said today's yeah. the day. So, yeah. man, I have been pumped. I could Thank feel you for it. having me. I could feel it. Yeah. And honestly, I just wanted to build up your anticipation a little more. I thought no, just another mm. couple of years. Mm. No. Yep. There we go. Well, no. I'm I'm excited to be here. It's awesome. I, I was on uh, I was on the bigger podcasts uh, podcast. Uh, uh, recently, about a year ago now, I guess it's not that recent. Time flies, man. Time does uh, fly. But I was on there, and uh, you said something very nice uh, that I was one of your favorite guests back in the day. And and I can say back in that time when when I was starting my podcast, and you guys were relatively new. You were fifty episodes in when I got on the first one. Uh, we we kind of talked a lot, like we were back and forth, and kind of helped each other and provided content for each other. So uh, I miss that. I don't know what happens. The years just fly by. Uh, everyone do. can see the video when this when you see this. Uh, I'm a lot grayer than I was back. Then and Brandon pointed it <laughs> out immediately. So <laughs> I'm a lot hairier than I was back then. You are a lot too, hairier. So, that's yeah. true. But but in all seriousness, dude, I I wish that all that time didn't go by where we didn't talk so much. I know what we were doing. Uh-huh. We we're both building our our businesses, and you were building yeah. your family, and like you know, life life happens, right? But we're back. We're back. Uh, we're back. On speaking terms. So that's good. <laughs> <I don't laughs> sounds like we had a falling out. Yeah. Exactly. It sounds like it's, some big fight. It's been a rough few years. Yeah, oh yeah. I've Ever finally... since you stole my. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm letting you back into my life. Thank um, you, thank you, thank you. But so much has happened. My goodness, back then, uh, I think when I had you on last, you had just, I'm looking here at my show notes, you yeah. you had just written the book, uh, the book on investing in real estate with no money down, right? One of your oh, now wow, yeah. many yeah. best-selling books of your, you know, big library of books that you've written. Um, and, and I can't tell you how impressed I am with your latest books that you've just released. Uh, I have been going through them and my goodness, uh, what a comprehensive guide to buying multifamily. And this is going to be kind of fun and maybe slightly irritating for you because I am a guy who I don't invest in multifamily right now, but I am interested. I am genuinely interested in trying to learn. And so I'll be asking stupid questions, hopefully some good questions that people are asking in the audience. Uh, This isn't, these aren't like uh, questions loaded because I already know the answer. Most of them, I will be ignorant of the answer. So, uh, uh, should be a lot of fun. Those are the best interviews. You know, it's like when you're genuinely curious uh, about a topic. Like, yeah. yeah, those are my favorite. I interviewed this guy last week on the podcast. Comes out in a little while, but it was all on like glamping. And I'm, I don't know anything about glamping, but I was like, I was so like, tell me about this. Like, yeah. how does this work? How do, why do people pay money to stay in a tent? And like, I, yeah, it was great. So anyway. That's awesome. No, it does help. And actually, I, sometimes I, I do it and I get down the road so far that I'm like, I don't even know if anyone else has these questions, but now I just want to know. And I can't let you off the phone until I or off the call until I know. So, um, But listen, for those people who uh, were born yesterday or just curled up from under a rock or whatever, and they're just getting into real estate and they maybe aren't familiar with you, uh, let's let's dial back a little bit and talk about, sure. obviously, you are uh, one of the hosts of the Bigger uh, Pockets podcast, uh, the most successful real estate podcast on the planet Earth. Uh, so if, you've, if you went onto your podcast player or whatever and put in real estate, State bigger pockets will come up. It'll be number one. Everyone should be listening to it, obviously. Oh, thanks, uh, but if they haven't heard of you, how did you get involved in real estate and why? What were you doing before real estate too? Because I don't even know if I know that. Yeah, I was studying for law school, actually, oh, of all okay. things. Uh, so I got a degree in history. And degree, degree in history, generally, you get one of two options. You either, well, one of three options. Number one, uh, you're unemployed. Number two, you become a history teacher. Or number three, you become a lawyer. Yeah. Uh, so the only reason I chose a history degree, this, is, is per- this perfectly shows my personality too. I was like... I talked to the admissions counselor person at the final college I went to. I went to a bunch of community colleges and such and such. And I went to the final college where I knew I was going to graduate from. And I'm like, 
what's the fastest path out of this the school? Like, how can I get out earlier? They're like, well, the way your credits transferred, a history degree, you can get out a quarter early. That. And like, I, that was the only work I put into choosing a major uh, because my entire life is like, how do I do less, less work? How do I, uh, you know, how do I get more out of less? That's, that's just me. Yeah. So uh, anyway, started studying for law school, started taking, I took the LSAT, uh, started applying to all these schools. And then I read a book on a book from John Grisham. Like it was like a fiction book on yeah. being a lawyer. And I it was a firm that they made into a movie with Tom Cruise anyway. Yeah. And the thing was about getting chased by the mob and all this stuff. But what stood out to me was like, Every John Grisham book, and especially that one, was like, it sucks to be a lawyer. You will work for 60, 70, 80 hours a week, sometimes 100-hour work week. You'll sleep yeah. under your desk. And when you're 70, you're going to be able to you know, retire rich. And I was like, this, oh, this sounds horrible. Like, how Do people really do that? And the more I looked into it, yeah, that's exactly what people do. And the majority of the world, or at least Americans, that's what they do. And I was like, I, I don't want to do this. And so... Uh, I decided instead to rebel against that. I'd actually just bought a house. Like I was 21 years old. I bought a house just because it was cheaper than renting back then. This is 07. They give everyone with a pulse a house. Yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, I bought it. And then I sold it right as the market crashed. I remember sitting in my house as the market is just crashing. And I'm watching like, the, I think it was Bear Stearns was, was going down. And I'm yeah. sitting in my empty house closing like the next day going, Oh geez, I hope this closes before. Like, cause I knew the world was collapsing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I got out, I made 20 grand though on that first, very first flip. That's awesome. And so I'm, the, yeah, the, 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 the decision early on or the thought process of going into law is in yep. direct opposition to the reason you chose your major. <laughs> yes. You chose the major cause it was the fastest, <laughs> easiest way. And you went into yes. law, which is possibly the worst and hardest the worst, thing you can uh, do. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So that, I had to reconcile that. So I, <laughs> Instead, I got into real estate instead. And nice. uh, so I sold that. Yeah, I sold the house, bought a duplex, actually. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't know anything about real estate. I wasn't really studying it. I just knew I needed to live somewhere. And this two unit property comes up and I lived in one of the units and I rented the other ones out. And I still remember the day my tenant, who was a friend of mine, which is a terrible idea, but yeah. a friend of mine came over and he gave me 650 bucks in cash uh, for rent. And I remember like holding that money going like, well, shoot, my entire mortgage is only $620. Wow. And I'm living for free. And then I thought, well, if I move out of this house, I can rent my house out and then make actually like profit, like make money. Yeah. And that started my journey on multifamily because I was like, this is way cool. And it's just passive income, passive with, you know, quotation marks around it. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, so you said that began your journey in multifamily. Did you ever and, do the single family thing? And how did that, and why, yeah. why not single family now? Yeah. Great question. So I did the single family thing a little bit. I started flipping houses. That was the main thing. Like I didn't want, I didn't buy single families as rentals. Not really. I mean, maybe I acquired a few over the years, but I would flip houses and then the market was crashing and it was really hard to flip 08, 09, 10, 11, 12. Uh, it was just a tough time to flip houses, but I tried. And then a lot of them, I just couldn't sell. So I ended up hanging on to them. Uh, so I still own a few of them today. I think I have five, six single family houses today, maybe uh, out of I don't know, around 2,000 total units now, but if, like if five you, or six of them are if houses. If you don't want them, now's a great time to sell. I know. Oh, <laughs> I will do. So I am selling them all right now. In fact, like I've even paid off most of them off. Like I paid them off and now I'm like, dang, like I'm selling them all. But all of them need a little bit of work to get yeah. them to the point where I'd feel comfortable selling. And I got yeah. tenants that live on them. Yeah. So, and I like the tenants. They've been there forever. So now I got the guilt of like having yeah. to kick out a tenant yeah. to go have them go pay twice as much rent. Cause I haven't kept up on rents really with the single family either yeah. as well as I probably should have. Cause I like these people. Yeah. Big problem with uh, 
a lot of times when you're like managing your own properties and like mm-hmm. from the beginning, you like your tenants, you get to know them and you start letting emotion creep in versus the business side of totally. real estate, which totally. is you asked me why I like multifamily. If I could sum it up in one word or one phrase, it's multifamily is easier to treat like a business. Yeah. I just, I have a hard time doing it with single family. And the guys who do treat single family like a business, they're like you. They buy a lot of them and they do really, really well. But most people don't. And I never did. Yeah. I just had this conversation literally last night with somebody. And I do have a house that I bought. I bought it really, really cheap about three years ago. And the people living there were under paying way under market rent. Um, you know, but they pay on time and I'm like, all right, I'm gonna get the house. I'm gonna, I'm gonna raise the rent and they can stay or not. It's up to them, right? Like just a business. And I went there when I bought it to do a walkthrough and I met them and they were terrified that they were going to be asked to leave or that I was going to raise the rent because they can't afford it. And they were like the nicest people. And Mm -hmm. so I still have that house. It's way under market rent, but they're super nice (laughs) people. They never miss a payment and they're just, they're great. And it's just, I don't know. The conversation I was having was somebody was asking me like, do you raise the rent? Do you kick them out? Like what do you, and I'm like, if you want the business answer, I can give you that. If you want, like, it's a personal decision because I, I thought it was going to be an easy thing. Like, hey, the rent's this and it's just black and white. And I met him and I'm like, oh, I can't. They got us. I can't kick them out. They're just good people. They don't do anything yep. wrong. And they at the end terrified. of the day, we have to be able to, yeah, we have to be able to sleep at night with totally. ourselves and we have to know that we're doing the right thing. And when you're presented with a situation like that, yeah, you, you, you make a call based on how you feel. I, I'm not opposed to emotion in business. I just would prefer to generally and most of the time run my business like a business and try yeah. to keep emotion at bay. 100%. And that's like you said, when you, when you rent them or manage them yourself, that sometimes that's just what happens, right? But yeah. to your point, and I think you're 100% right, and I think people need to remember this in their quest to grow their business and dominate the world. Like, we're all human beings. We're dealing with human beings. Like you have yep. to do, you know, you have to do what 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 is right for you, and it's a personal decision a lot of times in those cases. So, yep. um, all right, I'm curious about this. I don't know. Probably people ask you this all the time. I don't know, but uh, at some point you got involved with Bigger Pockets. I, I don't know if I yeah. know the actual story, and I'm sure it's long, and we could probably spend a long time. But just in a in a nutshell, like what? Yeah. How did you ever get involved with Bigger Pockets and end up on the podcast? Yeah. So the, 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 the quick story is I bought a bunch of real estate, mostly multifamily. At one point, I bought a 24 unit apartment when I was 24 years old and it allowed me to quit my job. I, I spent a couple of years fixing it up. So like literally like there every day, changing toilets, painting walls, everything. And I'm 27 years old and I, the property was done. I, I went from like 12 units rented to 24 units rented. And I had all this cash flow coming in by, you know, all this cash flow. I was making like three or four grand every month in yeah. cash flow. And I was like, all right, I'm retired. I'm done. I quit my job. I, mean, I quit my job before that, but then I was like, well, I don't need anything anymore. So I just sat on a couch for like six months and did nothing. And then I got bored to death, which, you know, happens, right? Achievers yep. want to achieve and they need to achieve. And so like we like anybody who can achieve financial freedom does can't take financial freedom. I know. That's one of the <laughs> so true. funny truths, right? <laughs> Not so one of the truths about yeah, everything that we all strive for is like early retirement and then you can't do it. Nobody can do yeah. it who can actually achieve it. So anyway, started a blog that led to me guest posting on Bigger Pockets because they were the biggest real estate site at the time yep. on the internet, still are. And that led to me becoming friends with Josh Dorkin, who was the founder and CEO of Bigger Pockets at the time. Mm-hmm. Today he's just founder yep. and he's actually retired as well. And with the same thought, he can't retire. So he's always doing new stuff. Yeah. And then right away, first month or so that I was helping him out, I was just helping him out with blog post editing. And I was like, I, can, I got free time. I can help edit blog posts. Hmm. I was like, hey, let's start a podcast. And that's where I went from there. Oh, so it was your idea? 
Josh will argue that it was his idea. I will. I my memory tells me it was my idea that said let's start a podcast. He's like, no, I said let's start a podcast. That's I was like, funny. no, I clearly remember it. He's like, I clearly remember it. Yeah. By the way, there's a great episode of Malcolm Gladwell's podcast where he talks about. Uh, it's called something like like something save Brian Williams. I think it's called. Anyway, it's all about memory, and he goes into how faulty our memories are, and it's fat, and how we splice in TV and uh, and illusions and all these other things in our life. We splice them into our memories in a way that we cannot distinguish truth from from uh, lies in our past, and it's m- like mind blowing episode. So listen to that one. I do want to yeah. listen to it. It's oh, funny you say that. I yeah, just so heard good. something recently on the internet where it was similar, but the what the idea was. We don't have actual memories. We have memories of memories, meaning when we recall something, we're recalling recalling it the last time, which is mind-bending, right? It's like we don't we don't literally remember the thing that happened. We remember yeah. the last time we remember it, which is why it yeah. sort of can morph and change and we put these it's like you know, the illusions. Telephone in there. game. Yeah. yeah. It's like telephone where yeah, exactly. 100%. And so anyway, so the, the bottom line is I'm right. I was on this <laughs> the was, my idea was the podcast and Josh is wrong. Well when you said when I asked you if it was your idea and you said Josh would argue that I said you I was yeah. thinking you could stop right there because I've been on your podcast enough with Josh Josh will argue is really he will all argue you that. Need to say. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. He's getting this beat up. He's true. not even on the podcast anymore. He has uh, yeah. no way to defend himself. But anyways, Josh no. is great. I love him. He used to give me a really yeah. hard time about Detroit, which was fun mm-hmm. and a lot of fun uh, to have that conversation with him. But he's a good dude. Mm-hmm. I'm glad. Yeah, he I'm, did. I hope he's doing yeah. well. I know he retired and I, I, I heard all that. So he hopefully. He did. And he he moved out to Maui, actually, where I moved. I moved to Maui did three he? years ago. He moved out here a year ago and now is my neighbor. So we like actually live in the exact no same kidding. neighborhood. And we hang out like every day. Oh, well, tell yeah, him I said hi. And tell him I'm still living in and near Detroit and not investing in Detroit. So, um, <laughs> You know, that's a great point real quick. It's not nothing to do with real Good. estate. And this is really more just me asking a friend because I'm curious. Yeah. I love Maui. Uh, yeah. I went to Maui for the first time in 2007 on my honeymoon. And since my wife and I have been back several times, we're not very um, we're not very uh, imaginative. We go back pretty much to the same area every time. But yep. my gosh, do we love Maui. Uh, so we go good. to Kanapali Beach is where we usually yep. stay in that area. Um, what uh, Other than the obvious, it's paradise, right? But how yeah. did that happen, that move? Why? Why did you move out there? Yeah, I'll tell you this. And this actually relates back to real estate as well uh, in an interesting way. So I was at a kid's birthday party and I lived in Western Washington. It rained 300 days a year where I was at, or it was a cloudy 300 days a year and it rained most of them. Uh, I lived like right by the rainforest. It was horrible. Uh, But I lived there for like a decade after college and I met my wife and we moved there and that's just where we were. And I just kind of accepted that's what life is. Because most of us just accept the life that we're given and we don't really think outside of that until something breaks you out of it. It's like the four minute mile. Nobody broke the four minute mile until one guy did and then everyone's done it or by everyone, I mean like a bunch of people. So I'm at this kid's birthday party that I was invited to with some friend of a friend from church or something like that. I'm at this party and I'm sitting next to this dude and his name is Jared. And I introduced myself. We start talking and I find out we have a lot in common. We're both business people. We both love like the kind of the same, we follow the same influencers online. And then he says, yeah, I live on, I live in Hawaii. I'm like, oh, that's amazing. He's like, yeah, I just moved there a couple of years ago. And I, I was like, wait, you just like moved to Hawaii? That's a thing people do? He's like, yeah, you just, I got a shipping container and I put everything in it. And then for like 10 grand, they'll ship it over there. And I bought a property and I just lived there. I'm like, wait, wait a second, you can just move to Hawaii? Like it just, it blew my mind. But what it did really is it expanded my mindset to possibilities that never existed before in my head. It's the four minute mile. Yeah. And Two years later, or a year later, I went there for a month and I loved it. And I went to you know Hawaii for a month. And then I went the next year, I went for three months. And while on that three-month trip, we were looking around everywhere for a property. Uh, first on Oahu, couldn't find anything. And then came over just for a weekend trip to Maui. And I literally, like, this is such a funny thing for a real estate guy to say. 
But like we landed the plane in Maui, we get off, we get a car rental, we're driving around and my daughter falls asleep in the car just right away. She's like a year old at the time. She falls asleep. And so I'm just killing time and I'm just driving down this highway and I see a four, uh, I mean, an open house sign. So I'm like, hey, let's just look up, let's just see what houses are like in Maui. I'm sure yeah. they're crazy and we can never afford it here. So I turn on this open house, I drive up this neighborhood, I get out of the car and I, I don't go to open houses actually, I never do. I'm not that guy that just like yeah. stops at an open house. I think I've done it twice in my life. Stop this open house, I walk up the stairs and I'm standing on the lanai, it's like a front porch, they call them lanais here. And I'm looking at the ocean and the pool and the house and the neighborhood and, the, and I'm like, I found it. This is my house. I didn't look at any other houses. Oh I didn't gosh. know anything about Maui. I knew nothing about the neighborhood, nothing about the economy, <laughs> nothing about anything at all other than I was standing on this house and I said, I'm buying this house. That's awesome. If, if I can get a loan. And so I got a loan. Anyway, so that was a, it's like completely what the opposite of what you think a real estate guy would do. Yeah, right. And like Doing study and research. Yeah, exactly. Study. No, I just said, if, if they'll give me, yeah, if I can get a, le- a lender to give me a loan on this house, I'm going to buy this house. That's and I got amazing. one 10% down on a two a $1.7 million house. And wow. uh, that's yeah, awesome. That's great. And yeah. no regrets, right? You can't, how can no you regret regrets. So yeah, awesome. I love, I love it. There's a slower pace here. So it's, on one hand, it's harder to, like want to get up and go work. But on the other hand, there's such an influx of people like you coming to the island that I hang out with all the time yeah. that I'm always just like, yeah, like people are crushing it. And like, I'm constantly having these great conversations. That's awesome. And so I believe I'm doing most of what I have today with Open Door Capital and the thousands of units that we bought in the last couple of years. I don't believe it would have happened had I stayed in Western Washington. That. That's so cool. It's so inspira- it's inspirational too, right? Because it's like that four minute mile. I think the guy when he broke, yeah. like no one, no one could break it, right? It's, it's yeah, impossible. No one can do it. He broke it, and then like a month later, or like yeah. a short amount of time, like people just start breaking it, right? So yeah. like you, you did the four minute mile by moving to Maui, and then Josh, yep, and then Josh and Tarl and Ryan and Brittany <laughs> and Alex and Matt and Mike. I'm just thinking off the top of my head here of people who have moved here now after I did that came here because I did it. Yeah. Uh, and so it's just like this constant, like and more and more are coming all the time. It's, awesome. it's crazy. So yeah. cool. So cool. You mentioned Open Door Capital. Tell me about yeah. that. I know that. When did that start, by the way? When did you actually uh, found that company and 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 why, right? Everybody wants to know, yeah. why, why did you do that? Or what was the reason? Yeah, great, great question. So I owned a company called Open Door Properties, which was like my property management company in Washington State. Okay. At one point, we were up to like 50 units there roughly, and that's just what we had. Uh, then I went to uh, Joe Fairless, had a conference in Denver three years ago. And I go to Joe Fairless's conference and I was, and I realized there that I was, I was speaking because I'm a podcaster and I have a loud voice. And so they put me on stage sometimes <laughs> and I'm like the keynote speaker and I'm the least qualified person to be there. I mean, like the guy who like was before me has thousands of rental units and the guy after me he flips 200 houses a year. And then there's me. I'm like, Hey guys, I buy two properties every year. Like I'm the guy that's like, I was so unqualified to be at the, in that room. Let me ask you a question, Brandon, real yeah, quick. Go ahead. What is your personality type when you get asked and you agree to do something where you feel inadequate? Do you go like, I'm going to crush it. I don't care. Like I'm going to go up there. I have no fear. Or are you terrified when you get up there? Mm, I am generally, I say not so much terrified as like severe nervous energy. Yeah. You know, like I'm always like, ah, what do they want to hear from me? I don't know. Uh, but it usually works out. People like, again, I'm, I'm a decent communicator. And so they, 
they yeah. keep inviting me back to stuff like that. But nice. yeah, no, I'm I'm always just feeling inadequate in those situations. So how did that is, work out? How did that that uh, keep? Yeah. By the way, you, you're all funny too. You're, you're hilarious, Brandon. You go. They oh, invited thanks. me. I don't know why I was there. I don't know why they went. I was a keynote speaker. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, like I'm there because I'm on a podcast and I maybe I help sell tickets. I don't know. Like yeah. it's like that's my mentality. Is I'm I'm not there for my skill. I'm there for my my the podcast or whatever. Right. So. But some in that room and, and talking to, you know, a thousand people or whatever about real estate and about all this stuff. But what I realized in that moment is that I was, or in that weekend is I was not happy with where I was at in life. And I believe that's because I was not living up to my, it sounds cliche, but my potential or what I knew was possible. I was taking the easy way out. I was living in my comfort zone of like buy a couple of properties a year, flip one house every year, get frustrated with contractors, swear I'm never going to do it again and then do it again the next year and have repeat the problem. <laughs> yeah. Right. And I'm making good money from book sales and from the podcast and I'm teaching hundreds of thousands of people how to invest in real estate. And I'm not really doing a whole lot. Mm. And I realized then I wanted to go bigger. I wanted to be like the people that were at that conference that deserved to be there. Like I wanted to be in that room because I deserved to be there, not because of the podcast. Yeah. And so uh, I read a book on the way home from that trip from Denver. I just moved to Hawaii. So it was from Denver to Salt Lake City. I read a book called Vivid Vision by Cameron Harold. Hmm. It's a phenomenal book, easy read. It's like an hour long read, but it's all about having a very clear picture of where you want to head in the future. Like very clear. They call it vivid vision. And like, like usually in some creative way, like I wrote, so anyway, so then I wrote my vivid vision from the flight from Salt, the, the layover in Salt Lake all the way to Maui, Hawaii. It was a seven hour flight. I spent the whole flight specking out what does my company look like three years in the future? And I wrote a newspaper article about my company. It even begins, it's on my wall. I blew it up four feet high on my wall and it says, December 31st, 2021, Maui, Hawaii. Opened our capital as a Maui-based real estate investment firm. Unlike anything you've seen, blah, blah, blah. Instead of suits and ties, you'll find them, board, them in board shorts. And it goes on. It's like 3,000 words of like everything about my company. How many units we have? I said, we have $50 million of real estate. We own 1,000 rental units. We've worked with 100. We've raised money from 100 accredited investors. The point of the Vivid Vision, by the way, is not to say, how am I going to get there? That's yeah. irrelevant. Yep. The point is, what sounds like an amazing life three years from now? All right. So I did that. I wrote the whole thing and it scared the hell out of me. I'm yeah. like, I don't know how I'm going to get here. I don't, $50 million is a, it's 50 times more than I had at the time, just about. I mean, I owned about a million or two million worth of real estate. Yeah. It was a scary number. Uh, but I came home and in that, I showed it to my, my buddy Ryan, Ryan Murdoch, mm -hmm. who had just moved to Hawaii as well. Uh, and he rents from me here at my little like extra unit, my ADU. And Ryan says, dude, I want to be a part of this. I want to do this. I'm like, me too. This sounds cool. Let's do it. So we started Open Our Capital. This was 2018. Yeah. So this and, is your three-year uh, yeah. culmination is this December, I think I heard you say. This is. Yeah, this December. And by the, uh, I looked at my numbers this morning. So the goal was 1,000 units and $50 million. By December, if we close on the properties we have under contract right now, we'll be at 3,400 units Holy and $197 million of real estate. So you so beat four, it by yeah, a little. We beat it by almost 400%. Yeah, <laughs> wow. uh, by a little. Yeah, it's insane. <laughs> and this just goes to the the, now it's not all me, right? We have a big team. I, I had a company-wide call this morning with 17 people on the call. And every time we do one of these like quarterly, like all hands meetings, like there's like two or three more people. So every, yeah. every quarter for the last two years, it's just grown bigger and bigger. That's awesome. I could not have anticipated this, but it shows the power of having a clear vision, yep. getting the right people on board, niching into a, a, you know, getting really good at a certain niche and then having a system by which you manage those people and you're, you're building an engine and the engine worked. Let me ask you a question. I have two, two questions. Yeah. Uh, number one, when you made this 
vivid vision. You said yeah. the goal is not the how, it's the what. It's to, to just yep. have the vision, right? Did you have a good idea of how you would accomplish it, or did you have no idea, or somewhere mm. in between? Like, where? How much yeah. knowledge did you have to actually make it happen on that day yeah. when you wrote it? I would say I had. So I it, actually in so in the multifamily millionaire book, I have a, a, a analogy, not an analogy. I have a kind of a framework or picture. I say there's your comfort zone, then there's your like ability zone, and then your inability yep. zone, right? So. I would say I was out of my comfort zone to do the vision I had, but it wasn't in my inability zone. Had I written down, I want to buy $40 billion of real estate. That's right. crazy, right? That's not going to happen. Yeah. $50 billion scared me. And I said, I have no idea how I'm going to get there, but I could envision a life in, I could envision a world in which that was possible. And so, in fact, I can even go a little bit deeper on this. The question is, like, if you were to ask, I'm going to, I'm going to be in your shoes. Hey, Brandon, why did you come up with $50 million? Why 50 million? <laughs> yeah. Well, let me tell you, Brandon, the reason I said $50 million is I backed into the feeling I wanted to get. Let me explain what that means. The feeling I wanted in my company was to work with four or five, maybe six guys or gals, but four or five people that I deeply respected that were at the top of their game and that we kind of did life together. I witnessed, I witnessed a buddy of mine's company. Uh, he's got a music production company in Nashville. He was doing this. He had this amazing team of like five people. They all like did life together and business and it was awesome. And they were doing impactful work. And I said, I want that feeling. So I said, okay, what do I need to have that feeling? Well, five full-time salaries with benefits and all that. It's about $500,000 a year. Okay. Well, if I'm going to raise money and buy big apartments or whatever, we ended up choosing mobile home parks as our kind of our bread and butter, but you know, typical I mean, acquisition fees, which is the fee you get when you buy a thing, mm -hmm. is about 2%. And I knew I'd have to give away a bunch of equity to other people in order, I didn't have to, but I chose to give away a bunch of equity. So I, I literally just walked back into my mm -hmm. salary. And that's where I came up with a $50 million number was gotcha. just based on what I need to be able to have the life that I wanted to live. So had you yeah. raised anyway. money prior to that? Yeah. Were you no. like uh, experienced? No. Okay. No. I, in fact, I had a conversation right around that time, maybe just before that time with my performance coach. I got a coach named Jason Dries. He's a good dude. And we've been meeting every year for, I mean, every week, every two weeks for five years now. And I remember distinctly telling him, I don't, because I had asked a couple of guys to, to invest with me in a deal and they both turned me down. And it, my like high eye on the disc profile personality yeah. just like, <laughs> just crumbled under the weight of that rejection. And I was like, everybody hates me and I'll never, and I was like, you know, complaining to my coach, like, I never want to raise money. I do not raise money. I'm not good at raising money. I'm not going to raise money. I'll never be able to raise money. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. Last, in the last three weeks, I've raised $40 million in three weeks. Dude. And I did it off of about an hour of, of work to do that. I had to record a video and my team sent it out to a team. I just want to show the That's like awesome. when <laughs> we have these limiting beliefs, like yeah. I can't raise money. I'm not good at raising money. It's not my, like, it's just, it's funny um, how untrue those things are. Yeah. Do you know my biggest self, what's the word? The thing I'm most critical about myself and my entire life, I've been most critical about myself since I was a, a kid has been my voice. Really? And I remember as a, as a kid saying, I have such a horrible voice. Nobody wants to listen to me. I hate when I talk. And like, it was a huge, like all through middle school, high really? school, I didn't talk. Yeah, I hated, I hate my voice. And isn't it funny? Like, I, I like to say God has a sense of humor that he would, or I would, or whatever you want to look at that, would use, like my voice would be the thing that I'm known for. Yeah. 
Like what crazy world do we live in? So I guess the, the, to spin that around everyone listening to this is like, what have you, what lie have you told yourself or what belief do you have that you're holding inside that you say, no, I'm not good at this, or I hate this about myself, or I'm not good at this thing yeah. that maybe is actually your strength. That maybe is a thing you can turn around. Totally. And that's, that would happen to me. All right. I'm so, going to ask a question now that only please. is going to appeal to a small fraction of the audience, but I don't care because yeah. I'm curious. What is your disc look like? You just generally speak. Yeah. You high <laughs> I, I get it. Are you high D? I'm a, no, I'm a low D. I'm like a 40 D. So I'm not like, I'm at the bottom Middle? of D. Okay. So for those, yeah, so I'm not very like dominating or whatever the word is there, decision driven. I'm right. not all those D words. Uh, I am much lower on that. I have a very high I and a high S. So I like stability. Oh, okay. Um, I, I have the high, like, I think I'm like a 90 I, I'm like a 75 uh, S, S and then I'm like a 12 C. Okay. Like, I can't, don't put me in front of a spreadsheet. I'm not good <laughs> so, there. So details yeah. are not your thing. Yeah, Detail, that's yeah, no. Got it. Okay. No, I'm a visionary. I'm a visionary in the company. Yeah, I can yeah. see the vision. I want to do that. I don't want to be the one that's making it happen. Exactly. Okay. The other question I had when you were talking about your vision and that you, you crushed yeah. it 400%, I get all that. Are you happy? Um, this was what you were going for. Your goal was yeah. to be happy and feel fulfilled and, and lead a life that that had meaning and purpose to you. Do you have that? Yeah. Okay, so here's the funny thing. I just got off a call with Jason Dries, my same coach that I talked to back then. And we were talking about this exact topic. And I was saying how like, I'm not very good at celebrating my wins. And I what I, and what I said to him on that call was I don't think like the achievement did not make me any happier than I was back then. Now I am happier today than I was back then. That's for sure. But I'm not happier because of the achievement. I'm happier because I've got kids that I love and I get to hang out with them and play with them. And I get a lot of time to do that. Yeah. And maybe I guess you could argue that the real estate has allowed that in my life. Like I was working 80 hours a week back then for bigger pockets and trying to grow that into a billion dollar company. Yeah. And so today I'm leading my, I'm, I'm happier, I think, because I'm controlling my own destiny much more than I was back then. I mean, I'm still a part owner of Bigger Pockets and I still am helping them grow and I want to be a part of them forever and I love them. Yeah. But at the end of the day, I'm making private equity wealthy, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, with them. And so I get a lot of happiness now out of my own, but it's not like, oh, wow, I've got 400% of my goal. I'm now 400% happier. No, like I'm like the hedonic treadmill, is what they call it. Like, like you kind of like level out no matter yeah. what level you are. Like yeah. you kind of, Yeah. And so there's other things that make you happy. And that's what that, that's so funny you bring that up because I haven't been asked that question ever, but I just talked about that with my coach. So that's awesome. one of those serendipitous moments. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yes. And, and no, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you wrote a book. This was interesting. I didn't realize you wrote this because we have lost touch, like I said. And this was yeah. during the time where we really weren't in great contact. But you wrote a book called The Intention, or no, I shouldn't say wrote a book. You made The Intentional Journal. And yeah. that sort of, I, I started looking into that a little bit and I can tell. Um, just by talking to you a little bit about, I think it was it was off air. Now, I you ever do that where you talked to your guest before yep. the actual, and yes. then you can't remember if you mentioned it on or off air. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> All the time. You mentioned the time. that you wish that there was more mindset or there could be more mindset in, in, in some yeah. of the books and things like that. Because I, I know that's something that you think about now and I know that's important to you. And I think when you, you know, when you achieve a certain level, you know, when you blow your goals out of the water by 400% and, and you're not like 400% happier, not that you're not happy, yeah. but it's like, Oh, you realize it isn't the dollars or it's yep. not the money. It's it's like the other things you have to have a mindset of of yeah. happiness and how you achieve that and how you design your life and what you put first. And you know, people who put their work and they're working tons of hours and they don't see their kids take the first step and they don't go to their kids, you know, a baseball game or whatever. Like those are the folks that go, I think, that sit and go, why am I not happier? I have a lot of yeah. money and I'm not happier. It's because yeah. they're not doing the things that are most important in life. And so I know that that's something you're mindful of. 
Yeah. Yeah. The mindset stuff is so, and like, we don't need to, you know, harp on it too much, but I will say this quick story. I interviewed a guy on a podcast years ago who flipped a hundred houses in one year. His, sorry, his very first year. He did, oh, was never in wow. real estate. His very first year, he flipped 100 houses. And I was like, dude, and I asked him, how did you do that? And I'll never forget his, his response. He said, I didn't know that's not what you're supposed to do. Like, I didn't know that's not how it's done because all his friends were like real estate investors. That's how we got in the, in the industry. Like, cause his friends were all flipping hundred houses a year. They were all in the mastermind groups and the things and they were yeah. doing all big, like, and so when he came into it, he came in with a completely different mindset than most people get into the game. It reminds me of the matrix, right? In the matrix, like, you know, the Neo is like living in this like fake world. Right. And then he gets like woken up and then he, he learns all these skills and he, and he moves up. And by the end of the movie, right. He's like grabbing the bullet and there is no spoon and that whole stuff. Right. Yeah. He goes through this whole journey of improving his or of changing his mindset, the way he views the world. And at every stage, he's like elevating and growing. But the thing, like, and that's exactly what every human does. We all go through these, well, I should say every human that's trying to grow. Most people just stay in that, in the matrix forever. And they never realize that there's another life. But yeah, yeah. Mo- those of us who are growth minded, we're always pushing to that next level and trying to get a more deeper understanding of what the universe and what the world really is and how, the, how we function in it. But the thing is, is that our mindset determines our actions and our actions determine our results, which in other words, it's like if you had the mindset going into real estate of, I'm just going to start by flipping a hundred houses a year, it would never occur to you to go and paint a unit by yourself yeah. or to go move a toilet from one room to another. If you have a mindset that says, I will do all my own work and I'm going to be the, the, the self-employed entrepreneur, right. you're going to go and move the toilet. And if you had the mindset that you're going to go buy a hundred unit apartment building, you could do that your first deal. Now there's, yeah. there's da- upsides and downsides of that. But anyway, mindset controls everything else, which is why I could harp on that all day long. In fact, w- because we didn't have a chapter in the book specifically on mindset, we just added a bonus chapter that people get when they get the book. So if they buy it, I do think there, that. I do so. think there is some mindset stuff in there, though. You do there weave, is, it, you yeah. weave it in for sure. Um, yeah. yeah, I can't help but not because it's it's everything to me. You know, it's funny. As long as you've been in this industry, and, and I've been in this industry too, and I know you've talked to probably tens of thousands of investors at this point, and I've talked to several hundred, if not thousands. It's interesting to me that what I've come to realize, and it sounds like you're in a similar in a similar place, what I've come to realize is, there's there's way mindset has way more to do with success than the tactics the nuts and bolts the software like yes. how to specifically hire a contractor in your market like all of that stuff and i i kind of equate it to the whole teach a man to fish versus giving him a fish everybody wants mm. to be given a fish and they want that software yeah. they want that silver bullet they want to know what yep. crm do you use and they think that's going to make a big difference it's it's not it's the bigger yeah. picture stuff that makes more of a difference and i i love that whole the guy flipped 100 houses because he yep. didn't know any better it's, i know isn't that great i love it it's so cool man and and it's a it's a really good segue i do want to get into the books and by the way thank you for sending these uh yeah very sure. comprehensive books on multifamily. i was uh before I got I dove into him, I thought, I've got to ask him, why in the world did he write two books instead of one? Mm-hmm. And now I get it. One is more geared yeah. toward the smaller multifamily, and the other one's yeah. bigger, bigger multifamily stuff. Uh, and I yeah. think it's it's really kind of cool and smart that you separated those two. 
But let's talk about that for a minute. Let's sure. you you mentioned in the, in the uh, the first volume one, uh, financial freedom in five years, and and you have this this method for doing it. In a nutshell, I, we man, I'm telling you, we yeah. could literally talk for six hours and never cover everything <laughs> in the book. Never, never, never. So I'm just hitting some of the highlights that I wrote down that I really want to dive into. And in financial freedom in five years through multifamily, what does that look like? Yeah. So here here's the idea behind it. When most people think of growth, they think of linear growth, which means you grow, like I buy one property this year, I buy one property next year, like one house next year, one house a year after, one house a year after. That is linear growth, right? So 10 years from now, I'll own 10 houses. There's nothing wrong with linear growth. But what what the stack is, I call it the stack method. It's basically exponential growth in in real estate and it's done through multifamily. So let's say instead you buy a house this year. Good job. You own a house or you, you turn your house into a rental. Great. You get some knowledge, a little bit of experience. You kind of figure out what you're doing here. And then what if next year you bought a duplex? I mean, if you already bought a house, you already overcame the biggest hurdle of all, which is just getting started, right? Yeah. That's the thing that it's like, uh, uh, I once had somebody tell me I, I do jujitsu. And when I say I do it, I mean, I'm like a newbie. I'm a white belt. I don't know what I'm doing, but I try. And I, some guy asked me, he's like, oh, so you're in jujitsu. What, what belt are you? I was like, oh, I'm in a white belt. And he looked at me and he said, Brandon, you're not just only a white belt because the white belt is the hardest belt. Yeah. And that stuck with me, right? Yeah. The white belt's the hardest belt. It's the belt they give you when you show up. Yep. But because most people never do. Okay, so the yep. first deal, you already overcame it. You buy that duplex. Now you got some, you're like, okay, I'm, I'm figuring out this landlording thing. And then what if the next deal you bought was a fourplex? And then the next one was an eight unit. And don't get caught up on the specifics here. I'm just laying out how exponential <laughs> yeah. math works, right? Yeah. Then a 16, then a 32, then a 64, let's say. You know, so you make... Like at every level, you're never going crazy. I mean, you already own two or three, four units. So what's another fourplex? You already right. own 10 units. What's another eightplex? Mm. So you're scaling conservatively, but also exponentially. And that's the difference. There's the linear growth and exponential growth. And so multifamily allows you to do exponential growth. Multifamily allows you to to go from one unit to five to 20 to 50. And so you might make five or six purchases and all of a sudden you're at financial freedom. And so I lay it out in the book, basically you could do that in five years. If you just buy one property per year for five years, you could be out of your job. I love it. Yeah. Why? Uh, so you you mentioned in the books that small multifamily is a little more hands-on kind of an endeavor, yep. whereas a large multifamily is a little bit more corporate. It's a little bit more of a professional approach. Yeah. What? Where is that line? Where, where, where do yeah. people generally draw the line between small and large? Yeah, that's a good question. So the the way that we differentiated small and large in the book is also the way that we differentiate it in real life. Now, let me let me preface it with this: when most people think small multifamily, they think residential multifamily, which is two, three, and four units. The residential side of the bank handles that, and then five units and up, the commercial side of the bank handles that. That's how most people split it. That is not how we split it. Uh, in the books. And the reason why is because the way you buy a duplex is not that different than the way you are in manage and control and all that is not that different than a five unit or a six unit or a seven unit. Yeah. They're all pretty similar. Like you're probably painting the unit yourself. You're probably using your own money for a down payment. You're probably answering phone calls from a tenant, or maybe you hire a local property manager that's charging you 10%. That's how like you manage small multi the same way you manage single family for most people. Yeah. However, yeah. 
it's very different from the way to buy a 200 unit apartment complex, right? Then you're probably raising money. You've got third party property management and staff. You've got employees. You've got a team based approach. You're not doing everything. You got an asset manager. You got an acquisitions manager. You got this, this team. Yeah. And so, in other words, the way we define it differently is by approach. In reality, you could approach a single family or a duplex with a multifamily, like a large multi-mentality, or you could approach a, a large deal with a small mentality. Yeah. But generally speaking, if I had to give it a number, I'd say it's around the 15 to 30 mark. Somewhere in there, most people realize, oh, this is a business. In fact, my favorite rule of thumb is this. If you know your tenants' names you're probably operating it on the small level. If you <laughs> don't, good, it's probably the large yeah, one. Yeah, that's Isn't that good. Yeah, that is yeah. really, really good. I've heard yeah. people say, again, ignorant of multifamily for the most part, I've heard people say, and I'm just going to guess at the numbers that I heard, but it was like, if you're buying like more than eight units and less than like 50, it's sort of like yeah. no man's land where it sort of yep. sucks. Like you don't get the benefits mm-hmm. of being really small and you don't get the benefits of being really big. Where do you, where do you stand on that? You know, it's it's both, there's pros and cons of that range. I actually, I love that range for the reason that you are too small for the big competitors. What I mean by that mm. is like, like if you were to see like how, I mean, I'm patting myself on the back here, but it's really my team, like how efficient and effective Open Door Capital is at getting deals, you'd be scared to compete against us. We are really good. We've got a lot of money and a lot of power around us that can, and that's why we get a lot of deals accepted because we are really good. Yeah. At the same time, if you go buy single family houses or even duplexes, you're dealing with like emotional money, right? There's emotional money, which means I will pay any price. It's not a business for me. I just want a property. And even up to like two, three, four unit, that's how you're dealing with emotional money. And in today's market where the money's just being printed and everyone's buying real estate, emotional money is very, very hard to compete against. So on one hand, that middle range there, I would even call it like five units up to like 50 is a sweet spot in that there's you're, you're above the emotional math, but you're below the advanced math. Okay. On the other hand, you're right. The economies of scale are difficult. It's hard to find the management to the level you need it to be at. And so there are challenges and there are really good things. But for somebody just getting started, if you're willing to take on the challenge of that size of a property... Like I was on my first 24 unit, right? it can say. get you out of a job. It can just completely change your life. Yeah. But you have to probably manage it yourself or at least build your own team to manage it. Mm. And just 50 units is hard to hire a full-time employee. So you're still stuck in there. It's just yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. not quite enough for what you need to get out of your job. So yeah. So what in a, in a bullet point fashion, maybe three to sure. five reasons, why is Open Door Capital so good at what they do? Like what's the difference? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I know you said yeah. good team. I get it. That's sort of a generic yeah. answer, but more specifically. Sure. Yeah. Number one, we are uh, very, very process and system oriented. Uh, in other words, we have systems and processes for everything, including like things that feel like they should be organic. They aren't for us. Like the number of times we reach out to brokers to build a relationship. We know that's important. So we're like, we, we do that kind of stuff. We literally send gifts to brokers on a regular basis just to make sure we're always top of mind and like funny gifts to them. Yeah. We're very good with that. Uh, we are very fast. Um, we are very fast and very aggressive. We can pay all cash for properties because we uh, we raise a fund. And so then we have this fund of money that we can go out and pay all cash and then refinance afterwards. Gotcha. Uh, we operate under um, a, a management system called EOS. I don't know if you, yeah, you work traction, with EOS, right? 100%. Traction, yeah. yeah. Traction, help, like we operate, we very specific traction focused or EOS focused, which means we have systems and people it. and processes. And yeah. So for all those reasons, and then 
my position on the podcast helps me attract the best talent in the world because people want to work for the guy that's on the podcast. So yeah, it it's helps. funny. It's a little bit self-deprecating. It's a little bit modest, but I love that you're you're so like aware. Like, hey, I'm I have this visibility, and it allows me yeah. to get some of the best people. I think it's awesome. Yeah. By the way, Gino Wick, yeah, I'm awesome cheating. dude. I, you've probably had him on the podcast. I would. I assume. actually have not had Gino on the oh, podcast. We need to, and then we could talk. Yeah, he was on the business podcast that we have, but not on the real estate one. Okay. Yeah, yeah he so, just released we'll a new book. Anyway, I had him on. Oh. Super nice guy. Really down to earth. We're good. That's what I hear. Yeah. All right. So let's talk a little bit about. And, and I, man, I'm telling you, I'm just looking at the time and going, my gosh, I wish we could yeah, slow down good. time. I'm, I'm got no hurry. Um, let's talk a little bit about, I'm going to focus just for the sake of time, a little bit more on the small multifamily, um, because my guess is sure. a lot of my audience can wrap their, yes. their mind around that right now a little bit better. What, what is, what, what kind of, what is the criteria? What, what should they be first looking for when getting into that arena and thinking, I want to, like, what is the first move to try to find that first deal? Yeah, great question. The first thing I think you do is you read a book or two on on, on small multifamily. But after you read that, uh, you can get a little education, listen to this podcast. I would say this, define what I call your crystal clear criteria. So everybody who's listening to this, write this down real quick. Your CCC, your crystal clear criteria. And that is, it's five criteria points that you want to identify. Uh, and I'll explain how you can choose it in just a second, but let me okay. get the list. Number one, uh, you want to decide your property type. So what are you looking for? Are you looking for a duplex, triplex, or fourplex? Or are you looking for a single family house? Are you looking for a, a small apartment building? Are you looking for, like, what are you looking for? A mobile home park? Um, define what that property type is. You can expand later. You can expand. You can do other stuff. But in the beginning, you have to make a decision what you're going for. Yeah. So at the beginning of Open Door Capital, we said we are going to dominate mobile home parks because in this industry and in this market, you have to be better than average to be able to get deals. You have to be good. You have to be great. And you can't be great at everything. Yeah. So start, pick a, pick a property type. Number two, location. Where are you going to invest? You don't have to invest local, but you can. It helps to invest locally, but you don't have to. But the most important thing is that wherever you invest, you choose a market that like supports your goals. I and mean, what are you looking for? Cash flow, appreciation. Like what's, what's your thing? Yeah. And then do you have a team there? Like, can you build a team in that spot that can help you get there? Agents, lenders, all that stuff. So number one, again, was property type. Number two was location. Number three, uh, yeah, property type, location. Number three is condition. Do you want to buy a fixer upper, something that's already done, a new build? Like, what are you trying to do here? Uh, number four is price range. What's the max you can buy a property at? And if you have no money at all, it doesn't mean you can't invest. You totally can invest. In fact, I have a couple chapters in the book on creative financing. Yeah. But yeah, you can totally invest even if you have no uh, money. But how much can you afford and how much do you want to afford? And then also what goes with that is minimum. Like price range means max and minimum. Yeah. Set a minimum. And so you're not wasting your time looking at $12,000 properties when here's the fascinating thing. The amount of work it takes to buy a $3 million apartment complex is the same amount of work it takes to buy a $10 million apartment complex. And the same amount of work it takes to buy a $30 million apartment complex. It's yeah. crazy. It's yeah. no difference. Um, yeah. My buddy Darren once said to me, Darren Sager, he said, Brandon, don't be afraid of commas. And I thought that was such mm. a profound statement. Yeah. It's just so commas. True. That's so right? true. So true. So yes. Number so we five. got... Well, yeah, number five. So number five is um, what I call profitability. In other words, when people say, well, I can't find any good deals. Well, what, ma what makes it a good deal? Yeah. Well, well, I don't know. We'll start there, right? What makes it a good deal? Like what percentage are you looking for? For example, when we run our numbers at Open Door Capital, we start with a number of a 15% return for our investors on average per year. So annual, average annual return of 15% or greater. 
So we start there and then we just walk backwards to find out what price we can pay for the property that would make it worthwhile. So we hmm. start with now, maybe if you're buying a small multifamily, great. What's your goal? $200 a month in cash flow. 400 a month in cash flow? Do you want a 10% return on your money? Do you want 8%? Do you want 12%? Yeah. What number do you want? So again, to, to review, if you knew what property type you were looking for in what location and you had a condition in mind that you wanted it and you knew the range and you knew how to find out exactly like how much you could pay and what would make it worth you getting excited about, yeah. like think of how focused you are now. Yeah. Think of how much you could dominate that niche in that industry, in that area, in that location with that price range because you are you know what you want. And then when you tell other people what you want, they're like, oh, that's a Brandon deal. That's a Mike deal yeah. because- You've defined your criteria. And this is a mistake most people make is not defining it, niche, not niching down enough, but the yeah. riches are in the niches. So don't be afraid to niche down. I love it. You mentioned team. Uh, when we're yeah. talking about small multifamily, I know it's difficult. Economy of scale, you yeah. covered that. But is are there people that you should have on your team, even if they're only just like not directly working for you, but someone that you yeah. rely on? What What kind of components or pieces should be put in place as far as a team goes? Yeah. So, I mean, part of it depends on how much, how fast and aggressive you want to grow, but in the, at the bare minimum, you should have a real estate agent. Like if you're buying small multifamily, you're probably going to buy it on the MLS. Yeah. If you're looking for a duplex, triplex or fourplex, you'll probably end up buying on the MLS. Now, are you going to get an amazing home run deal on the MLS with all the real estate deals that are like with all the competition? Yeah. No. Can you get a base hit? Yes, of course you can. Yeah. And in the beginning, a base hits more important than anything. It actually goes back to what we talked about earlier with the exponential growth. Yep. When you own 500 rental units, are you going to care that that very first duplex you bought only broke even? Like, yeah. No, you'll be like, no, it got me in the game. It got me yeah. excited. It got me motivation. It got me momentum. Who cares? I'm not saying go out and buy a bad deal to lose money, but yeah. if you have to buy a, a mediocre deal on the MLS just to get started, go do that. So real estate agent, very important. Having a good lender, Somebody who who you like and you trust and can work magic to get you a loan is really important. Uh, having, uh, again, if you want to scale a little faster, maybe you bring in some help to help scale from the marketing side if you want to go off market. Okay. I know it's something you know a lot about. Like yeah. You can find duplexes, triplexes, and fourplexes and other multifamily on like, off market all yeah. the time. Yeah. In fact, you'll probably have a better shot because unlike the world that you play in, Mike, where you're dealing with like motivated sellers who like live in the property yeah. a lot of times, we're dealing with landlords, like with with investors. And the thing that's true with almost every investor is it's it's a math game. Yeah. So like if you were to ask 10 homeowners, hey, do you want to sell your property? I'd guess eight of them are gonna be like, no, I don't want to sell. If you ask 10 landlords, eight of them would be like, well, depends on how much. <laughs> yeah, what's your price? Like exactly. how much? What's your price? <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's a number thing. So you get a way like off market works really well with multifamily, especially small multifamily, because they're not good at managing the tenants and there's a number in mind that they have. Yeah. And uh, and they're all greedy, so there's a, they're willing to have that conversation. <laughs> well, we're let me all ask you this: with the market that we're in right now, and yeah. I know you're dealing with bigger bigger numbers, but just out of curiosity, from a from a bigger player standpoint, how is this market affecting you? I know how it affects single family and probably yep. the real small, you know, duplex, triplex. How is it affecting the bigger players and, and making the bigger deals? Yeah, it's getting. I mean, it's tough. It's competitive. Um, and so it's, but it reminds me of that quote that says, don't wish you, don't wish it were easier, wish you were better. Yeah. Uh, I think it was the old that. Jim Rohn quote. Yeah. Right. So when I, when we got, when it gets tough, it got competitive, especially like, like during COVID, like as things were getting like really competitive, which makes no real logical sense, but everything got really competitive during COVID. And yeah. over the last year, it's been nuts. Right. Yeah. So we started saying like, you know, oh man, it's going to be harder to get good deals. Then our cap rates are dropping and you know prices are going up. And so we just said, okay, well, 
we used to get like one out of every 10 offers accepted. Okay. Now we're getting one out of every 20 offers accepted. So all we did was we just doubled the number of offers we were making. We literally went from 30 offers a quarter to 75 offers a quarter. So our EOS now in our, one of our, one of our guys rocks is to make 75 offers every quarter. And guess what? It worked out. We got the deals. We got just as many deals we wanted. In fact, we we ended up getting back down to one in ten because we got better at offering and we got uh, you know ability to pay cash. And now we're now we're doubling the number of offers we make, but we're still getting one in ten. So we got like seven or eight deals accepted in the past few months, uh, and the wow. the deal size is getting larger. So anyway, is it competitive? Yes. Is it hard? Yes. So instead of whining about it, we just got better, and that applies to every person listening to the show right now. If you're in yeah. single family, multifamily, doesn't matter. Stop wishing things were easier and just make yourself better. Isn't it funny? You said you got back down to one out of 10 get accepted. Isn't it funny how competition, how adversity can yeah. kind of sharpen your sword, right? When you keep yep. banging against stone, it just it sharpens it. Um, yeah, yeah I, that, you're right. And I, you know, people, I'm sure ask you this all the time. I get this at family stuff a lot because they know I'm in real estate. They don't really know what I do. So the only thing they can think to say is, How's the market? Or yeah. isn't the market great? And I, 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 I sometimes I'll take the time, but usually I know they don't really care that much. They're <laughs> trying to just start a conversation, yep. and it's like. But I tell people like that that I talk to in real estate investing, the market isn't good or bad. It doesn't have a good yeah. or bad tag. It is what it is, and you just have to adjust to it to whatever, wherever you are in the market. If it's more competitive, may have to get maybe more lean or make more offers, like you said, change your metrics. But the the market isn't good or bad. You can't label it that way. It just is what it is. What's bad or good is how aware you are of where you are in the market and whether or not you're moving with the cheese, right? So to speak. So um, the cheese isn't bad or good. It just keeps moving and you got to move with it. So that's exactly it, man. Man, I could talk to you all day. I want to ask you one more quick question. It's sort of generic. Mm -hmm. It's a little bit maybe, I don't know, you probably get this a lot too. But when it comes to, again, just sticking with a small multifamily for a minute, when it comes to small multifamily, what do you see that are the biggest mistakes that people make when they go into that that world of multifamily? Yeah. Um, I, I would say the biggest mistake people make is treating, even if you're going small multifamily, it's treating it like a hobby. It's like, oh, I'm just going to buy a fourplex and I'm just going to give the tenant my phone number and I'm just going to take rent and cash and I'm just going to, it's like just treating it like I'm just going to wing it. Yeah. Because winging it works, maybe, you know, you can muscle your way through a few, a few rental units. But what mm-hmm. happens is that you get frustrated and you get angry and you get answering a, a broken toilet call in the middle of the night and you yeah. go, you know what? I, I don't like this real estate thing. This isn't actually as fun as I thought it would be. Yeah. And so you don't, you don't stick with it because it's not fun and because you're doing stuff that feels heavy. A big yeah. part of my performance coach, Jason, what he always teaches me and always t- asks me the question, because really performance coaching is really just like therapy. They ask questions make, that make me think. So <laughs> yeah. Jason's like, does that feel light to you or does that feel heavy? When I think like, it's not hard or easy, right? That's a different question. Yeah. There are things that are really easy to do that feel super heavy. Yeah. Me calling anybody feels super heavy. I hate it. I hate picking <laughs> up the phone. Yeah. But me like going on an hour long webinar to go teach people about real estate, that's not a super easy thing, but I love it. It feels light. Yeah. So anyway, um, it'll start feeling heavy if you're treating your business like a hobby, like you're just being in reactive mode versus I'm going to treat this like a business. I'm going to set it up like a business. And then your chance of success and the chance of sticking with it long enough to get that exponential growth going yeah. increases dramatically. But you got to get through the hell of like small deals. It's like trying to get a train moving, right? Like if a train starts moving at the same at the same time I start walking next to it, 
I am walking way faster than the train. Yeah. Right. It's way easier for me to just keep walking because I'm a, I'm a person, but over time that train picks up speed and momentum and starts going into the point where it could like, you know, it's going 80 miles an hour with almost no effort at all because it built momentum. Absolutely. So build that momentum, stick with it long enough to get that exponential growth. I love it. Treating it like a hobby. You're right. I, 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 yeah. I tell people don't run your business like a lemonade stand, like, yeah, yeah. like a business. I love it. Brandon, if people want to reach out, my goodness, there's probably a thousand ways that they could find if they just open up their eyes. But what, what's your preferred method of hearing from folks who, who love you and want more information? Yeah, I would say, uh, I really, I'm like a 13 year old girl when it comes to Instagram. I'm on there all day long, like Snapchat and duck faces and you all that I'm good stuff. Isolate that audio, by yeah. the way. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you do. Uh, so Instagram is probably my my go to. Uh, it's Beardy, uh, yeah, at Beardy Brandon. Uh, and then the other thing I'll tell people is I have an email list. That's not an email list. It's a text message list. Hmm. So every week I send out a text message to my people. So like my, my tribe, you know, bigger pockets has their own millions and millions of people on their list, Sure, but that's not, that's not mine. So I have my own, it's called behind the beard. It's just every week I send out a, a little newsletter via text that says some of the stuff that I'm reading or some of the stuff that I've been learning, uh, projects that I'm working on, random stuff that I bought from Amazon, stuff like that. So nice. uh, that's at beardybrandon.com. And then they can get the number there. Is that where they get the actual number? Yeah, they actually, there's a little sign up thing. They put their phone number in, then okay. I'll text them right away. I got you. And uh, yeah, beardybrandon.com. And if, yeah, and of course, Bigger Pockets everywhere and the Amazon for book stuff and Bigger Pockets store for book stuff. And Love all it. All that good stuff. The Multifamily Millionaire, Volume One, Volume Two. Here's what I'm going to do, guys. The first five people that shoot me an email saying, I love Brandon is going to get a copy of each of these books. So the first five people that says, I love love Brandon, you got to email Mike at juststartrealestate.com. I will send you both volume one, volume two. It's all you need to be successful multifamily. Go and uh, send me that email. Brandon, it's been a pleasure, man. I really appreciate it. You are an absolute awesome dude. Uh, You were very instrumental helping me out when I was starting in podcasting and you've always been very kind to me. And uh, thank you. I apologize. We've gone a little longer than I said I would. uh, But I just love talking to you, man. You're you're a fun guy to talk I love to. It. So I love this stuff. I love multifamily. And I love talking to podcasters because you guys know how to you know how to give and take and have a conversation. It's great. Yeah, it's awesome. a lot of fun, man. Nothing but uh, success to you. Uh, hope your family is all well. Give your kids a hug and uh, and live that uh, that best life that you were going for when you set your goals. And by the way, congratulations because you've already crushed your goals. So I'm just going to say before December, Thanks, congratulations. Man. You you <laughs> you you seem very happy to me, and I'm I'm happy for you, brother. So uh, continue Thanks, to to rock and roll. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks. We'll see you next time. All right. That was a blast. I love Brandon. He's a good guy, fun guy, and super smart guy. I'll tell you what, I get done with some interviews and I figure, you know, we pretty much covered everything I wanted to cover. We, we really hit all the points and, you know, I feel really, really good. And, and I feel like we've really did everything we could do with the topic at the time. Uh, but the interview with Brandon that I just had, I swear to you, I could have gone for hours. There was so much more to talk to him about. His books are so, so comprehensive and in-depth on multifamily that we literally could have spent another couple of hours just talking about the content of those books. So much great information. You really need to go check them out. And if you are one of the first five people to shoot me an email to Mike at juststartrealestate.com that says, I love Brandon. I will give the first five people, I will buy you and send you a copy of the books, volume one and two, Multifamily Millionaire by Brandon Turner. So do that, get that in. I'm only going to do it for five people. So rush to give me that email and I will get those out to you and you will be 
Uh, very happy that you did do that because those books can make you a millionaire in multifamily if you read them and apply them. So I hope you guys enjoyed that interview. I had an absolute blast. It was like catching up with an old friend and I just loved it. And, uh, and I uh, really enjoy talking to Brandon. So Anyways, guys, get out there, get started, get those emails into me. I want to get those books in your hand, but no matter what you do, at the end of the day, nothing happens until you get started. So go out there and get started. Make today the best day ever. We'll talk to you next time.